Welcome to a special edition of the High Five Download Podcast. A sort of, uh, what, let's just call it a bonus episode here. Bonus. Um, and let's bonus just, we're going to call it Ranking on Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> and so instead of, if you're, if you're familiar with our typical format, we typically do a top five um you know, a top five list on any given topic, but we decided let's uh, change it up a little bit. I mean, we'd, we'd always kicked around the idea of top five Quentin Tarantino movies and et cetera, and it's one of those unique situations where it is a director where I've seen every every movie the, that he's ever done, you know. I can't really say it's that a rare for occasion. a lot of other directors, you know. It's usually like somebody who's only done a few movies. Yeah, Or exactly. not a few, but like you know, yeah. a dozen or, or less. Yeah. Like I mean, Kubrick. Uh, I've, no, uh, there's too many. I haven't seen really? a lot of them. He didn't make he didn't make that many. I know, but a lot of the earlier ones I have not oh, okay. seen. So like Paths of Glory or something. Yeah, so um so we're gonna do ranking on Quentin Tarantino and I guess we're gonna do it a little different. We're just gonna like Kevin Smith. Read lists read our list, I guess, and then discuss. I guess that's how we're gonna do that. And then we're gonna do a kind of a different take on the low five. It's gonna be actually our five favorite songs that are from soundtracks to Quentin Tarantino directed films. Yes. That I have a lot. That sounded my official, list was, right? My list was pretty, pretty oh, big. Oh man, it was so kind of hard to choose. It was very hard to choose. I kind of just went with like five that popped into my head right away and then I'm like, "Oh, what about this? Oh, what about that?" And then I kind of guess, I guess like it's hard to differentiate between like what you think you should do as your like your favorite and what are considered the best, you know? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean our show is all about favorites, not necessarily the best. So True, true. That's what makes it unique, in my opinion. Um, so we also, one note, we did decide to split Kill Bill into two separate films, Volume 1, Volume 2. Yeah, I mean, it was released as two movies, and I know they've, they've always talked about, I think in Japan and maybe somewhere else, it was released in the movie theaters as one giant movie. Well, yeah, they did like a re-release in 2011 called Kill Bill, The Whole Bloody Affair. That was but the whole thing was that Was that here, though, in the States? I don't, know. I don't I, think it was. I, I, I don't think it ever was. Okay. Because I know that he like he's always talked about it. Well, I know certain like movie but, theaters have done like you know screenings of the first right. both of them back-to-back and right. stuff, so... But never, it's, I don't think it's ever been officially like released as one big movie. Okay, well that settles that argument and <laughs> discussion. We'll <laughs> definitely talk more about Kill Bill, I think, when we get started here. Um, I don't know. Do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I'll go first. All right, let's I'll do go this. First here. Let's so, do this. All right, so this is going to be a quick one. Let's so nine, so nine movies here. Nine movies. So my number nine is the last one that came out, and it is the Hateful Eight. At Hateful Eight, at number nine. Number eight is Jackie Brown. Uh, number seven, Django Unchained. Number six, Kill Bill Volume Two. Number four, Reservoir Dogs. Hold on, slow down here. I'm, I'm taking. Oh, notes, you're right. You're taking notes. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. That's a good idea. All right. So where did I leave off? Number five. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> good. You're right. What was Kill Bill Volume <laughs> Two? Number six. Okay. Cool. All right. All right. Number five, Reservoir Dogs. Okay. And then my top four here are Kill Bill Volume 1 at number four. All right. And then probably can guess the last three, obviously. Uh, number three is Death Proof. A little high on my list, I think. Wow, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe we have similar And case. then number two is Pulp Fiction. 
that that's all that's kind of like that's always hovers in my top three for for those wow. for his movies all right and then number one is inglorious bastards wow okay uh nope. so our, our our lists were a little bit similar but uh, and then there was a few big big uh Big flip floppers, I'd say. You know, certain ones we enjoyed more than the others, uh, for sure. Yeah. All I, right, I'm gonna I'm gonna hit hit you with my list all here. Right, go for it. So my number nine, Jackie Brown, the JB follow up to Pulp Fiction. That um, God, it just had so much. You know, there was so much writing on it being amazing. You know, and it was just really hard to live up to that. Yeah. Uh, after. The hype and just the phenomena that was Pulp Fiction. So I mean, it's not by no means a terrible movie at all. But no, it's my it's, least favorite. It's it's yeah, it's my second to least favorite uh, um, for the same reasons. You yeah, know, for the same reasons because it's got like it was it was the one that was I figured the most the most hyped out of all those movies, obviously because it was following Pulp Fiction, mm-hmm. and it was. <sighs> It was based on a book, which I think kind of like turned some people off because they were like, oh, we wanted something original from you. And it felt like lazy to some people, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the story just I think the story wasn't as like kinetic and like hot as Pulp Fiction was. Like there was you know, so much you know, yeah, going I mean, on. I and can't remember an, another performance where Robert De Niro was just okay. average. Yeah. Pretty average. Yeah. You know, yeah. You know? it yeah. Was just like he was. Yeah. It felt like, yeah. That that too. Um Little miscast right there. Not that he didn't do a, a bad job, but just you know, just mm-hmm. he didn't have much to work with, and and it was just you know the, the pacing. I think t- turned a lot of people off too. It was kind of a slow movie. I mean, it was you know it yeah. built a lot of tension. Yeah. There were some good parts like that, but that's not what people were expecting after Pulp no, Fiction. Not at all. Um, but it definitely felt like you know like a, an adaptation of a novel. Like the yeah. you know like. Wow, this is and it was kind of like uh, you know Pam Pam Greer was awesome in it. She was she was she did a great yeah. job. Oh, she yeah. And but it was kind of like one of those things that felt like like um, like I'm gonna resurrect her career now. Is, yeah, think. like I grew up loving these exploita- exploitation mm-hmm. movies that she was in, and now mm-hmm. I'm gonna cast her. And, and yeah, yeah. Um, my number eight is none other than the Hateful Eight. We just flip, we just we just flip flop those. those. Two. Yeah. Um, I, I it's a great movie too, you know. I mean, it's not a bad movie at all. It's just not my favorite, you know. I mean, there's some great performances in it, and um, yeah, it's long. It's really, really long. Um, I did see it in the theater in the the seventy the, the seventy c- millimeter yeah or the seventy millimeter uh, screening or whatever, and that was really cool because it was like I kept trying to see that. It was like the throwback thing. They gave you like a program, and there was an intermission, oh, the and there was a yeah. little interlude before the thing started, right. like a little musical, right. you know. What, uh, so that was cool. What you I know, thought was weird about that, though, is that he filmed it in this big cinemascope 70 millimeter, but the majority of the movie takes place in inside a, a cabin. cabin. Yeah, yeah. So that was one of those things like where I felt like. I didn't. I shrugged my shoulders at that because I'm like. Why didn't you shoot Django in 70, 70 millimeter? Which would have benefited you know, which, much more. Yeah, or even even my number seven film, Inglorious Bastards. I put, oh, that would have been amazing. Um, so I put I have Inglorious Bastards a lot lower than you do. So that's. I, I, I don't know. I've, I've been going back to that movie a lot lately. Like, I. It was on Netflix. It's on Netflix, and I think I've watched it, like, twice now that it's been on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Like, all the way through, from beginning to end. And I don't know. Like, I'm just kind of mesmerized by certain parts of it. I'm mesmerized by Christoph Waltz's performance. Yeah, his character is His character is amazing. Is yeah. Um, I don't know, and I think Brad Pitt's pretty hilarious in it. Yeah. And, you know, it's just... It's got all these like little things, you know. Like, he, I, f- I forgot that Michael Fassbender was in it, even though he plays, you know, a pretty significant role. It's a small role, but it's pretty significant. And of course, Mike Myers, it just kind of like tossed in there, like, 
you know, he's like the little uh, English soldier guy who gives Michael Fassbender his orders. Yeah. Just because. I'm going to have to actually go back and watch it. I have, I think it's the only one on the list that I've only seen once, honestly. And it was like okay. right when it came out. You yeah. Know? You so, the I mean, geez, it was like yeah. 2009. So it's been and, a long time since and I was, I've I, revisited it. I was recently many. hearing something about like how Hollywood's kind of always had like this sort of not like unspoken rule, but something about like how only B movies are allowed to do like history changing sort of like films. Yeah. Whereas like if you're doing like a big important film, you can't kill Hitler or you can't, you know, do this or do that. And yeah. Quentin Tarantino's like, well why not? Like I'm gonna do it. Like it'll be awesome and, and it'll be yeah. a great way to end my movie. Yeah. So yeah, I think that that's kind of, I think that sort of like changed people's idea of like what you can do with like historical fiction, I guess. Yeah. You know, I mean, taking, not, like, taking chances. Not a bad film at all. You know, it's just, I guess it's just not my favorite, you know, and I, I, I should probably revisit it too. I, I'm pretty sure that's the only one on this list I've only seen once, you know, mm-hmm. I've even seen the A Hateful Eight twice. I was on Hateful Eight once. So. so take that. Um, so, so my number, uh, my number six is your number five, so Reservoir Dogs, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I almost felt like the debut had to be in the top five, you know, but it's just, I just edged it out with your your number six, Kill Bill Volume 2. <laughs> so those two <laughs> really? are flipped, yeah. Okay. Um, if you did, like, the last 30 minutes of Kill Bill Volume 2, then it would be in the top five. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Before and, that, nah. And I'm going to get back to Kill Bill Volume 2 later here in this top five, but, yeah, um... But Reservoir yeah, Dogs. Reservoir Dogs, I mean, started it off. Those, yeah, it's one of those ones you saw. I mean, I saw it like on VHS, you yeah. know, rental. It was like a word of mouth type of thing, you mm-hmm. know. And I actually think I saw it. I saw it after Pulp Fiction, honestly. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. I remember people had talked about it and everything. And then, yeah. Um, it was like one of those movies I felt like kind of kicked off the whole 90s, um, like, auteur filmmaking genre yeah you the know. miramax years yeah you the know? miramax years yeah like kind of gritty and independent um you know that that and el mariachi and those oh, kind of yeah, movies absolutely yeah totally um, so it was like one of those movies like oh like you're introduced to other movies through reservoir dogs like you yeah. go to the video store and the video store clerk would tell you like oh if you like this then you'll like this and so that was kind of like you know yeah and your, that's your gateway much, drug to yeah, yeah, to uh, French films and, and that's kind of how these Quentin other Tarantino you know allegedly you know he worked in a video store right, for years and right, he was right. that guy the cool yeah. guy behind the counter yeah. that had seen yeah. everything in the world and had all the recommendations in mm-hmm. the world and everything is kind of cool how that you know kind of I don't know if came full circle in a way you know? it did and then you learn that like he sort of he's sort of like this well where he'll take all these things all these movies he's seen and he'll kind of just regurgitate it as something something that is original yeah. but has been done before like yeah, everybody yeah. knows that Reservoir Dogs is actually kind of a remake of a Japanese movie or is it Japanese or Korean I think mm-hmm. it's Japanese mm-hmm. same thing about these robbers you don't see the robbery yeah after the robbery, they're named after colors. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's almost the same movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but for, like, a debut feature film. been a Hong Kong movie. A debut feature film, it's, like, a brilliant idea. Yeah, you know, it's basically totally. one location, you mm-hmm. know. Brilliant writing. Uh, brilliant dialogue. Brilliant dialogue. A uh, handful of actors, you know, one location, basically, mm-hmm. you know, for yeah. the most part. I mean, it's, like. 
that's how you make something that's mm -hmm. that's how you you know ball on a budget as an indie filmmaker you know yeah. you know find a way with limited resources to like it, knock something out it's of the park, kind you know? of like shooting a play but but not 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 real, but kind of like shooting a play yeah well that's good yeah definitely good good comparison so kill bill volume two i put i included it in my top five um, I'll get back to that later. Number four for me is Death Proof. So you had three, so we had that up very high. And a yeah. lot of people don't like Death Proof. Quentin Tarantino doesn't like Death Proof. I freaking love it. I think it's great. I read an yeah. article where he's like, he's kind of ashamed of it. Really? He's, he's just like, he thinks that he didn't do a good, great job and he could have done better. Well, and I, he wish he might go back and like, he wants to, you know, edit it and reshoot it. Wow. I mean, I like it. He's kind it, of ashamed of it. I like it. I think it's great. I love it. I think it. it's... Um, I just love the way that uh, it truly does feel like a B movie, you know? Yeah. Like, like that you was know, that's what it, I get out of it, and I feel like he dialed it back a little bit, you mm -hmm. know? As far as like, I mean, a lot of his other later films just feel like some epic, um, some epic uh, produced genre. by Hollywood thing. This felt or like old Hollywood, like yeah, yeah. You have your old war movie, yeah, your yeah. old western, yeah, you know? exactly. And this just it really felt like a, a, a B movie, and mm -hmm. I mean the 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 car chase like. Oh, that's seen at the, the end is just like and, so yeah. intense, mm -hmm. awesome, epic. I can't like other than like Rogue One. I can't remember like another movie I sat in the theater and was just like, damn, <laughs> this ending is just like on edge of your seat, literally yeah. on the edge of your seat. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. And they talk about like other car chase scenes, of course, in the movie. Yeah, you know, that, Dirty that Mary, back. Crazy, La crazy yeah. Larry, and the, uh, the getaway know, or something, or the, the vanishing point. Vanishing point. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's it, again, it's like a history lesson in movies. Um, but yeah. no, I mean, I and I love like it's 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 like almost like 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 two movies kind of merged into one also because mm -hmm. you have you know your your basic like you know stalker killer guy who kills with with his with his car and then the second movie is sort of a revenge drama, you know about the girls who come back and you know take him on yeah, instead exactly. You know? So um, my number three is Django Unchained, 2012's Django Unchained. Um, I love Django Unchained, man. I just it was one of those that um Yeah, it was just it was hard for to break it into my top five. I, I like I really like Django Unchained too, but once you start getting into like his movies, it's like something's gotta I know be, be in the low five or be in the well <laughs> low eight, three, I guess. Yeah, yeah, you the know? bottom three. It was hard to crack the top five with Django. Bottom three. Yeah. Um I don't know, it was just so good. That was like his first little uh, you know, uh taste of Western, you know, and like yeah. He had always like spoke. spaghetti western. Yeah, he had spoken for like years about I want to make western and all mm -hmm. this stuff and you know me personally I really am not a huge fan of the genre really, you know. I mean, especially old school, I mean, I could care less honestly, you know. <laughs> um so like being able to like make a film so strong that you can see pa for me personally see past those like biased against westerns being old fashioned and right. boring, you know, and like well, actually compel you with like just a, a epic revenge story mm -hmm. and just an epic like triumph story. Um, yeah, shoot. and he, he he of course he you know he he sort of switches the genre on you because instead of you know the white man being the cowboy hero, it's the black guy who's mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. the hero of the story. Yeah, you know, and Christoph Waltz again, yeah. amazing character. His like, go-to now is like yeah, even I think his best role personally. That's just me. Um, yeah. Well, I think he won for Inglorious Bastards, but he might have been nominated for Django. Yeah, one of the he was nominated for both. When yeah. he won for one. I don't he won for Inglorious Bastards. Okay, yeah. there you go. So, 
Yeah, what a hell of a follow-up role, too, for him, you know, mm-hmm. as far as that goes. Uh, well, it's like Quentin Tarantino could just, like, he can trust him. Like, I'm going to write this character, and I know that he could, like, just play this no problem, mm-hmm. you know. Just, he can just act in his sleep, so, you know, definitely a big, big treat. Definitely tell the trust between the actor and the director with when he uses Christoph Waltz. Yeah. Um, <laughs> my number two as well, Pulp Fiction. Um, yeah, it's kind of like... Feel, I mean, it should be number one. Right. And but I think it really should, but... I think it just depends on the mood you're in. It just depends on, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like, oh, what am I watching a lot now and really enjoying? For me, it's Inglorious Bastards right now. But, yeah, Pulp Fiction is kind of just cemented yeah, I mean, right there. That Pulp Fiction it's really like, will be, it's, it's like that's, 1.2. that's what's engraved on his tombstone, you know? Yeah. When that day comes, it's yeah. Pulp Fiction. It's but, Pulp Fiction. Um, he should have won for it. Oh, absolutely. You know? And absolutely. that's that's you know, that's another conversation altogether, but. Yeah, so I, I kind of think it fits nicely on both our lists there at number two. Mm-hmm. And my number one is Kill Bill Volume One. Kill Bill Volume um, One. Yeah. My reasoning is I'm looking at as it. I'm looking at it even though we shouldn't as a whole, mm-hmm. as a whole, a, a one and two film, as a whole bloody affair. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and I think that like the whole Kill Bill Volume One and Volume Two story together. So that's why I put Kill Bill Two at the five. So it's kind of book. book okay, book it, book top five? my top five. You know. Yeah, I see what you said. I, I see what you did there. And um, I just think Cheated. that <laughs> if you look back at like Kill Bill, the whole bloody affair volume, you know, the whole story, like that, pretty much sums up every. Like he touches on everything that he loves in, mm-hmm. in those films. You know. It has amazing totally. dialogue. It has amazing dialogue. It has crime. It has kung fu. It has western elements. You know, gangsters in it. Gangsters. Amazing soundtrack. Like it, it's like a little bit of spaghetti western you in know, volume two. And it's the it's like the everything that um I mean it, it's everything that he loves. It's like it's like a Quentin Tarantino movie, movie mixtape. Japanese films yeah. and like spaghetti west. Like the first one, people consider like that's that's a Japanese movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, genre mm-hmm. or influence, and the second movie is definitely like spaghetti western. Mm-hmm. You know, because they they totally to me they feel like two different movies. Well, like, you yeah, know, I mean, it even the way that they're like huge, composed, like the music. Yeah, there's a huge switch, a tonal switch totally. for sure. You know, and I I don't know, I I have a really cool memory of when I was living down in Texas. Actually, they had. Because they came out, because Kill Bill Volume One came out in two thousand three, and Volume Two came out in two thousand four. So I think wow. it was like, Jeez. I think it was like a six month gap in between them. You know? Yeah, that sounds. You know, right. it wasn't a whole full year. No, because I remember. Because I remember the the, pr- the first preview. Because I, I think Volume showed, One, Volume One came out like in the winter, like right around Christmas or something. Yeah, and then you know, Volume Two came out in the spring or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah. I remember the first preview for it. It told you that Volume One comes out, boom, and then Volume Two comes out. You know, yeah. Boom. Yeah, so I, I yeah, it's like and then six months later, like it it told you that I think, yeah or something. So, I gotta look it up on YouTube. So but. I had seen Volume One in the theater and thought it was you know fucking blew my mind. Thought it was awesome. Right. And um, then they had the discount movie theaters, the dollar fifty movies or whatever, and they were showing <laughs> Kill Bill Volume One at the like discounted theaters. Right. And then at the first run theaters, they had Volume Two. So one day. <laughs> Went and watched Kill Bill so like Volume a, a One, double feature. Yeah, went and ate lunch, then watched Volume Two. So like, nice. it was like the whole That's epic a pretty experience, good day. you know? Yeah, totally. So, um, but also like Kill Bill Volume One, man. I just remember the end. It's it's kind of it, it leaves you wanting more for sure, you know? Yeah, it, it ends in a cliffhanger, cliffhanger, epic battle type of thing, and you're mm-hmm. just like, ah, oh, I want to know what happened. That, that next. last line, you know, like that. That's definitely, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, but also, like, back to volume two, man, like, when you're talking about the last half hour of it or whatever, I mean, I definitely remember, uh, like, just, 
it's one of those ones that it was on TNT like all the damn time or one of the, <laughs> it was on cable all the time, mm-hmm. you know. And you'd always just keep if you'd come in at near the end, you'd just watch just it all watch the way it, yeah. through. You that epic yeah. the epic standoff with Bill finally and Well, the, that's what's kind of funny too, is that like he chose like like the first movie ends in such a like you know she's up against all these guys all by herself you know yeah. and then that final battle with her and or- Orishi you know that that's a pretty awesome sword battle and then the the one with her and Bill it's just like it's a conversation kind of like a battle of the wits yeah and then it's over like they they fight for a few time and it's maybe five seconds but it's yeah. a cool little scene it's yeah. it's choreographed awesomely yeah um I and then you realize like oh yeah I didn't need to see these two like walk out onto the beach. And, like, have this epic, like, you know, Return of the Jedi sword fight or something, you know, that just, yeah. like, lasted, like, ten minutes or something. Yeah. No, it's cool. Like, just that little, the little moves, boom, 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 and then the five-finger, you know. Yeah. Death punch? No. Five-finger. Uh, the heart exploder. <laughs> you the five-finger. Yeah, I can't remember what it's called. Shit. The heart exploder. Yeah, the heart exploder. <laughs> yeah, so. Um, five-finger palm. Technique. No, I can't. No. Yeah. So I mean, I think our list is sort of, sort of close. You know, we could debate a few, move a few around, but I think we get it kind of. Uh, yeah, I think it's like close to being on the same page. We have a couple that we like more than each other, and yeah, a couple yeah. that we're uh, pretty much in agreement on. You know, yeah, I think like Pulp Fiction is just the st- is the st- is the standard bearer. Yeah, absolutely. You know, for all time. Mm-hmm. You know, I you need to rewatch Inglorious Bastards, and yeah. I need to well, I guess think of Kill Bill volume. Volume one and volume two as being one movie. If I can, you know, if I can absorb that, then I could the, kind of like see what see what you're have doing. A consensus, yeah. But you know, back to Kill Bill again, though, man. That was like <laughs> it was six years after Jackie Brown. Like there was this huge like lull, you know. Oh, yeah. And we were just like waiting for what's was that next? really his third movie? Yeah. Holy shit! No, Jackie Brown's that's his third movie, dude. Oh, that's right, Jackie. Kill I'm Bill's sorry. Fourth, yeah. yeah, so yeah, I think Pulp Fiction is his first. Yeah, so like, yeah, that's uh, Jackie Brown came out in '97. Kill yeah. Bill, 2003. So like, that was a long six years too. Yeah. Like the older I get, six years doesn't seem as crazy. But man, I just remember like everyone because there was rumors like he's making this crazy kung fu movie called yeah. Kill Bill, and you're like, yeah. what? And you're like, oh, he's talked to Uma Thurman about it and stuff, and you're like, okay, sure, like whatever. And it's like it's he's he's like filming like this whole like it'll be four hours long or something, and yeah. You know, and he's using all these Chinese actors, and it'll be all like you heard all these crazy. We're like, it'll be all in Chinese, and it'll be all in you know, like what? Like that's that's crazy. Yeah. So I mean, it actually was one of those that with being with with Jackie Brown being kind of like a, a slump, we can kind of agree on man. What a way to come back, dude. I mean, yeah, I, it was. People were definitely thirsty for more. Like, come on, like go back to like the old being the old Quentin. You know, let's see something exciting and something we haven't seen before. And yeah, definitely. I think if he had followed. Pulp Fiction with Kill Bill, that would have been something. Yeah. You know, and then you could have done Jackie Brown like today, I think. And nobody <laughs> yeah. would have been like, I'd be like, oh, that's, that's pretty awesome. You know, he's getting yeah. older. You know, I can see yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how the uh, the response was for Hateful Eight. Everyone's like, man, that was a good movie. That was, it was great. But yeah. It, it wasn't it, my favorite. It, but. it almost felt to me like it was almost like a dare for him to make it, though. Because it was like, first it started off, he was only going to write it as like a play or something. Mm-hmm. And then the script got out. And oh, he yeah, was like, yeah. and he was kind of like, oh, that's that's not fair. You know, yeah. Like, so he was just going to like, scrap the prove whole himself. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. the, the script leaked or something. Yeah. And he was just going to scrap it. And, mm-hmm. But, yeah. 
I love the fact that he could do whatever the fuck he wants, really. Oh, basically. I mean, who totally. else Who else He's is going to film like a movie hit, in 70 millimeter in a cabin? Yeah, it's like him. Get, someone's going to write him a blank check for right, it, you know? Yeah, it's like there's so, there's so few directors, James Cameron, Spielberg, who can just like, I'm just going to film this. And they're like, yeah, sure, whatever you want. There you go. And yeah, yeah he's one of them. And I think he said he's only going to do like two more movies and he's going to retire says, or something. But I don't know about that. Yeah. So I don't know. We'll see. Um, what do you think? Your thoughts on Four Rooms? Definitely, I like opinion. I think it's it, his, his little his sex. and Robert Rodriguez are the best sections of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I do like the first one, but that's for other reasons. The first with the witches, the coven, the coven, <laughs> the, co- the coven, coven. That sounds too sounds, much like oven. Sounds way too much like oven. The uh, coven, yeah. Yeah, no, his his one's I think the best one out of all four of. Well, all, I, all I four like of the, the Robert Rodriguez one, the, the best. misbehaviors. Yeah, I like whatever. the misbehaviors the best. You know, yeah. I kind of feel like it was Quentin Tarantino was just like, I'm just I don't know. I, <laughs> I feel like him, <laughs> he was kind of playing himself at that oh, point. Totally. At that point in his life, you know, it was he, still very he well. He was riding though. high on Pulp Fiction. And yeah, he, he he could fucking do cocaine and talk about Chris Dow and yeah. oh, reference yeah. old Alfred Hitchcock episode where it cut off the finger. And right, right. You know, and, and he like, did all that, but he did it perfect. He still did it like extreme, like with quality, you know, mm-hmm. like it was still like, like it was tense as hell like that. Even though you f- kind of knew what was coming, you were still like on the edge of your seat watching that, that little short you yeah. know, film. My other thing I want to just touch on is uh, one of my, one of my favorite films that he wrote, um, True romance, and yeah, I so and I, I always wonder like wh- how different how would that he would have movie have been if he directed it. If he directed it, it might be my fucking favorite movie right. on this so list. That was, you know, that that's how much I love that movie. Yeah, you know, that was directed by Tony Scott, who was really Scott's brother. Yeah, who had done a bunch of like eighties action movies, like Top Gun and things like that. And yeah. he did a decent job. I mean, yeah, he had a kick ass script to work with. Yeah, and, uh, yeah great cast. I, too, I, so. Yeah, awesome cast. But yeah, I always kind of wonder that too. Like, what would that have looked like if? You know, he had actually done that. Yeah. You know. Um, and another uh, another movie that I that I love and is near and dear to me is the Quentin Tarantino wrote it, um, From Dust Till Dawn. Oh yeah. Also. I mean, yep. Directed by Robert Rodriguez. Good com. It was a great. Uh, that was one of those too. That came out like after Pulp Fiction, but it was mm-hmm. just like, you know, and they definitely hyped. Qu- well, Quentin Tarantino started in it too. You know, he's one of the Gecko yeah. brothers, and you know, and I just remember the like previews. They're like. From Robert Rodriguez, from Quentin Tarantino, yeah, you know, yeah. from dusk till dawn, you know. <laughs> yeah, I do remember that. But uh, fuck, man, I love that movie. It was like that, um, that's kind of like the spiritual successor to Pulp Fiction, but yeah. since he didn't direct it, and talk yeah. about like kind of like setting the tone for something like a Kill Bill one and two, oh, being, yeah. being two different mixing switch, genres, switching it up. I mean, yeah. that that movie is two different movies put together. You totally. know, like the first part's this crazy kidnapping crime mm-hmm. espionage where you get to meet these characters in the yeah, family heist and, then, film. and then the second the second half of the film is just vampires batshit crazy vampire <laughs> yeah, vampire, vampire fights yeah, <laughs> yeah he, you know um yeah i love it also uh yeah that's 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 one of my favorites too um, there's a good documentary called uh, the Full Tilt Boogie. Full Boogie yeah, yeah about the making of Full Dust Till Dawn that's also really good yeah I bought a, a back when people purchased DVDs still I bought like a <laughs> special edition that came with uh, it was like a two disc thing came oh, with from nice. Dust Till Dawn and then bonus disc featuring the, the Full Tilt Boogie Full Tilt documentary Boogie. which was cool yeah. too man George Clooney's first movie I think no well was it his first movie no 
I mean, he was in Return of the Killer Tomatoes, dude. So. Well, okay then. But I mean, gotta first give, like give him that. first like first, lead role. First lead role is like once he was established as a star from doing ER, ER you know, yeah, like that he was he like, came like off ER, to and do which that was a kind of a ballsy uh, move to well, movie to pick, you know. I mean, it kind of it was like. A no-brainer at the same time. Because it was though, like Quentin like, Tarantino. He was fucking white-hot at yeah, that point. Yeah, you know? like, yeah. How are you no... going to turn down a Quentin Tarantino movie? Yeah. Um, and then also Natural Born Killers was yeah. one that he wrote. Yeah. So and sold to make, to help finance Reservoir Dogs, I think. Okay. Because, yeah, when I was looking up his uh, IMDb, Quentin Tarantino, you know, he did direct some television shows and stuff, too. Like did an ER one, ER. too. I yeah. saw that ER one. Actually, ER is pretty good. And um, I never saw the CSI ones he did, though. And, uh, yeah, it, and it said, you know, Natural Born Killer story by Quentin Tarantino. Yeah. You know, so. Well, I think he, he. I don't know if it. Like, how much did goes, uh, how, how much, much survived? How much did Oliver Stone like put in, and how yeah. much did you know? I mean, was his just like I got this premise? You know, these this, these yeah. two this killer couple goes around. You know, becomes become, fucking become media famous. stars. Yeah, shit, they become you know? media stars. Yeah. I mean, was was that the extent of the story by, or how right. much was it really yeah. in there? You know, that's one of those movies I haven't seen in years and years either. You know, mm-hmm. I remember kind of like being on the fence about it not like super crazy about it you know I remember some people in film school just thought it was the fucking most amazing thing you know yeah it felt like you know um, Oliver Stone's kind of like acid flashbacky movie oh, like for sure. these are these are my acid flashbacks and I'm just gonna put them in a movie yeah you know like oh okay that's hectic and crazy but whatever so another aspect of our our love for Quentin Tarantino would be the amazing soundtracks that are in all these films we've been yeah. talking about. Yeah. Um, not just the scores, but the songs that he songs chooses, that he chooses to yeah. include. You know, like, man, I'm just thinking if I could have, like, one, uh, like, take somebody's iPod and just copy every single song <laughs> on it, you know? I want Quentin Tarantino's. I want his iPod, man. <laughs> you know, I he's got, know, you know, he yeah. always has, like, ideas for, like, songs he wants to use, you know? And I think he kind of started that off as far as, like, directors sort of creating a a mixtape for their yeah, movies. Yeah, absolutely. Know? Yeah. And it's just like a lot of these are just like a ama- lost gems or something, you know, kind of like, kind of like how he, you know, knows of all these obscure genre movies from working in the rental right. shop, you know, yeah. like he knows like, and that's, what's kind of cool too. It's like, he'll reuse songs that were used in other movies and throw them in his movie, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, it truly is like a mixtape, yeah. you know? Um, so we're going to do for our low five here, our five favorite songs from Quentin Tarantino films. Cool. And I'm going to start it off here with my right. number five, and it's going to be uh, none other than Steeler's Wheel, Stuck in the Middle with you from uh, <laughs> Reservoir Dogs. I think it's actually just called Stuck in the Middle. Stuck in the Middle, yeah. But um, I was, I'm a member of a... I feel like that's like the standard bearer. Yeah, too. dude. I'm in, a fe- I'm like in a Facebook group, and like... It's like a movie kind of appreciation group, film genre film appreciation group, and like somebody, you know, every now and then people just throw out like questions all the time, and just people start asking, you know, and like somebody yeah. was like, "What, you know, what song do you hear on the radio and you cannot disassociate it from the film it's in?" You know, mm-hmm. and I'm like, "That's the first one that popped into my head." You know, yeah. like I cannot hear that song and not think of, uh, you know, Michael Madsen dancing right. around there with cutting the dude's ear no. off and yeah, everything, that's, you know? Yeah, it's, it's completely, like you said, yeah, you, it's, it's... So that's ha- why I felt like it had to be in my list. Forever, had to be my like. number five. And, I, you know, I think he, he, he wrote that song, or he wrote that, that, that scene to that song, mm-hmm. and he begged... You know, I, I don't know if it was the Weinstein's who financed that movie. I don't, well, maybe not. But you know, he begged the producers to help him get the get the. Uh, this, and he, he told them he's like this. It was actually it in the script. In I think here. it's it, you know he turns on the radio and Steeler's Wheel comes on. Yeah. So it was so integral to that to that scene to him, 
And then him, his direction, the way it came out, it became integral. And that now, yeah, they're, they're fused together. Yeah. Now, that song and that movie and that scene are just inseparable now. Um, yeah, so anybody who listens to it and has seen the movie just knows, like, oh, okay, yeah, that's from Reservoir Dogs. Yeah. <laughs> Your number five. My number five is Twisted Nerve uh, from Kill Bill Volume 1. So this is the whistling song that yeah. Ellie Driver yeah. is whistling when she's in her little nurse's uniform bringing the, the, the shot of yeah. poison or whatever to, yeah. to deliver to the bride. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, she's got her little nurse's uniform on and her, mm-hmm. her eye patch has, like, the red cross on it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's creepy as hell. And it's from a movie called Twisted Nerve that came out in, like, 1968, I think. Uh, it was, like, a British, like, um, serial killer movie or something about a – actually, that, that movie got into a lot of trouble because it's about a guy who has Down syndrome, and the Down syndrome causes him to kill people or oh, something. Wow. Wow. So that movie got into a lot of trouble. Anyway, that soundtrack's awesome. Um, and Quentin Tarantino obviously was like, oh, that's that's an amazing piece, and I'm going to sample that. So it's kind of like sampling. Like, you know, I'm going to sample this this piece of music and work it into my movie. Yeah. Um, There's not just, a lot of that in Kill Bill, actually. Yeah, there is. Know? And not just as, like, yeah, yeah. Well, that's one of, yeah, one of my honorable mentions. The Green Hornet soundtrack comes on at one point. Um, okay, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's totally it, fitting. It right? feels like sampling, but he, he works into the movie so that it's Ellie who's singing it, and the scene is so intense, and you're, you know, again, edge of your seat. You know, what's going to happen next? And the song just, you know, it starts off very slowly, very creepily, and then just builds and builds and builds. And you're just like, oh, my God. You yeah. Know, when's it going to end? And if anybody whistles that tune, you're like, oh, Kill Bill. Uh-huh. Right. You obviously <laughs> go to Kill Bill. And it was yeah. pretty obscure. And yeah, obviously you brought yeah, it back. Yeah, now but. it's, yeah, totally. So I'm, I'm going to go for my number four. I'm, we're going to stick with Kill Bill Volume 1. And I'm going to go with the, right. uh, yeah. the five, six, seven, eights in the song Woohoo, you know? Yep. Uh, this was one of those, that, man, after that, hit it was like in commercials <laughs> the song was all over the place and yeah he put him on the map basically and the story was yeah like he was in some crazy record shop in japan or something <laughs> yeah. and heard like the the whoever was in the store was playing this the band the five six seven eights yeah. over all the, girl japanese band yeah, yeah. and they're kind of like i don't know like doo-wop-y. retros poppy surfy yeah, wappy you know yeah. kind of um and so like they all have um, beehives for hairdos yeah and like I guess he was just like, what, the, who is this? You know, and like wrote it down and like stashed mm-hmm. it away. Like I got it. And then not only did he end up using it, he used them in, in the, the movie. movie. They're like, they're playing at playing the at house the, of the blue leaves. Yeah. Yeah. I believe towards the end. Yeah. You know, before she gets into a big epic fight. Exactly. So, I mean, uh, they're, they, they're my number four. They're That's awesome. kind of a nice little integral part. And yeah. Great little side story too, and I think so as well. Yeah. So. Well, let's just keep going then. With volume right. one, yeah. Kill Bill Volume One. My number four is the Battle Without Honor or Humanity by Tomoyasu Hotei. Dang, that's the the song, the instrumental that was played just prior to the scene with the five, six, seven, eights when they're when Ishii and and her Oren Ishii is walking in with her with her gang, mm-hmm. and it's that like kind of like you know like the, the the walking montage of them walking in, and I think it was used it was also used in the trailer mm-hmm. too. Yeah, um, it's the hor- it's a lot of horns and everything, and yeah. the guitar part at the beginning, mm-hmm. just an awesome song, you know. Yeah. And I, it came from like a movie that came out years ago that nobody ever saw, some Japanese movie. And he was yeah. like, "Oh, I'm gonna remember this and use it." Yeah. And again, he's it's like a sample, you know. It feels like a sample. Yeah, you know. Gosh, yeah. There's well, so much good music in that movie. <laughs> let's say with Kill Bill Volume uh, One. Okay. For my number three, and right. I'm gonna go with uh, the Nancy Sinatra Bang Bang. Yeah, my baby shot me down. That's this my is, honorable mentions. I felt I was, like, I was giving too much props to Volume One. Yeah, this is the like opening track of the movie, basically. Um, 
And it's one of those songs like I'd never heard it before. I knew I knew of Nancy Sinatra mostly just you know my boots are made for walking, walking and yeah. like. Uh, but I mean, it's such a cool like. Oh, it opens the movie perfectly. Yeah, it's like perfect. You know, it's like one of those things. Once again, he you almost don't need the backstory about again, what happened. He, yeah, once again, he like just picked the absolute perfect song mm-hmm. that no, not a lot of people had probably heard of before, and now it's like a part of pop culture. I feel so. Yeah. Cool. Bill Volume 1, So that was your number three? Yeah, number three. All right. So my number three, we already talked about. So my number three was stuck in the middle. Okay, cool. Because, like, I felt like, like I said, that's kind of the standard bearer. That's where it kind of began with Quentin Tarantino and music. It's going to be in that top five right in the middle there. Yeah. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Cool. My number two is we're going to Death Proof, and we're going with April March's Chick Habit. It's the very. It's like the the, the last the song last of the song movie. Yeah, when they, the, basically yeah. when they're killing uh, yeah. stuntman Mike. You know the 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 the. Um, it's kind of this like it's kind of similar to the five, six, seven, and eights. You know, it's yeah, like it's totally. like a little poppy retro sounding like um, kind of bubblegum. Got a little pop. garage rock to yeah. it, kind of bubblegum poppy. But yeah, man, I don't know. It's it kind of gets in your brain, and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and and I have it in my brain right now. You know, <laughs> and like. When I was making this list, that was one of the first ones that popped into my head. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna include it, man. Yeah, the and there's a lot of cool songs in Death Proof there as are. well, too. Yeah. So, for for me though, like I like the songs in Death Proof, but it's more about the context that's happening, like the um, Down in Mexico yeah, song. That's but, an honorable mention. But for I'm me, like, for oh, sure I know, I, I know, why I like that song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because exactly. the scene that happens in that song. You know, yeah. If you've seen Death Proof, then you know what I'm talking about. Cool, cool. All right, my number two um, is from Pulp Fiction. And mm-hmm. it's Son of a Preacher Man by Dusty Springfield. Oh, that's great, yeah. This, is, I felt, was, was sort of like the sequel to Steeler's Wheel from Reservoir Dogs. This is like the – this is sort of the sequel song to that. Yeah. Um, to me, it just felt like this – it was it was central to the movie. Um, people remember that. Like he brought back a song from you – know, that was a popular song. Yeah. He brought it – he sort of kind of brought it back into the, into the consciousness um, – social consciousness and then everybody's like oh this is a fantastic song you know i'm gonna play this song all the time yeah so yeah that's that's sort of like the spiritual sequel to Steeler's will cool. as far as songs go in yeah Tarantino totally movies. yeah and a little side story to that too man uh gosh so i didn't when we were in high school i, I w- we had to take one year of gym class in order to graduate <laughs> and so like a lot of people just got it out of their way as a freshman but i waited all the way till the <laughs> senior year to do my gym credits or whatever so i ended up taking this weightlifting class that was like i had i <laughs> there was all like freshmen people i didn't know anybody in this damn class so i like actually got i actually got really in shape for a senior year dude because uh, i had nothing to do but put my head to the grindstone and uh actually right. just, uh just do my do like my like routine like, like yeah in prison dude yeah totally but um we used to listen to the 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 gym teacher she was like real strict and um she would like control the radio in there and would only let it to be on cool 105 like the oldie station uh-huh. you know and i remember son of a preacher man came on and these dudes were like they heard the little jingle to start uh, off and they're like what no no hell no they stole this from cypress hill hits from the bong <laughs> man so like you know cypress hill nice. sampled that song like for, how they were the for hits from cypress the bong hill but yeah, stole, yeah cypress they stole this from that cypress hill yes nice north nice. high school yeah um so yeah and i feel like it's it, it's not as connected to reservoir dogs as Steelers will was as stuck in the middle was no, no but i feel like people do associate son of a preacher man still with pulp fiction like you yeah. hear that and you're like oh pulp fiction yeah right it's you know that's yeah, it's, it's great it's too, inseparable too. i think yeah yeah totally i mean 
Um, so that was my number two. Cool. That, that rides us all the way into my number one for Pulp Fiction. I'm going to stick with Pulp Fiction, and I'm going with uh, Dick Dale and the Deltones, oh. Miserly. You know? <laughs> That's my number one, too. All right, so. cool. I mean, like, <laughs> you can't not hear that song and not think of the opening credits of Pulp Fiction. Right. You just can't. No, you can't. It's, it's like like that and Jungle Boogie, of course, by Cool and the Gang. Yeah. You know, but it's actually the one that's, that starts it off, fires it off. Mm-hmm. You know, that crazy surfer guitar music. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, it just sets the tone, man. Yeah, it does. It and does. it was one of those, like, gosh, I remember having the soundtrack, you know, purchasing. You know, actually, back in the day, there was this thing called um, BMG Music Club where you could get 12, <laughs> 12 CDs for a penny. For a penny. <laughs> so I remember getting the Pulp Fiction soundtrack from there and, like, you know. And it was so different for me to have – how did you pronounce it? Miserlu. Miserlu. Okay. That's, that's I've, I've, I've always wondered, like, was Miser, Miserlu or Miserlu? I don't know. I don't know. Anyways, M I S E R L O U, Dick Dale and the Deltones. But it was always cool to. I mean, it was it was different to have a soundtrack in my personal CD collection back then that had that kind of mixed genres, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I was used to the Crow soundtrack and, uh, you know, like <laughs> right. Crow, 90s, Crow, alternative 90s alternative or rock, rock all the way or yeah. the Judgment Night that was like Single the rock soundtrack. and hip-hop. And yeah, like it was it was interesting to have yeah. uh, a soundtrack that mixed genres. And that was like one of the first times I remember them including little dialogue mm-hmm. snippets from yep. the film, you yep. know. Like yep. so that CD starts he off did, with, he the, started that off too. with the Honey Bunny thing right, and then right. fucking boom, just pops right into Which uh, is how the movie starts. Which exactly just how the movie, how the movie starts, starts out, yeah. yeah. So. It's like an explosion of sound, you yeah. know, that gets you ready. Like you're getting ready to see something that you've never seen before. And it's like a shot in the chest. Yeah. And I just remember another cool Miserloo memory down the street here. Down the street here on Colfax when, uh, gosh, a few years back, maybe five years ago or something, when mm-hmm. uh, Jack White came here mm-hmm. to play Red Rocks, he d- he would do these secret shows. Like mm-hmm. they'd just announce it on Twitter and then like it starts in half hour type of thing, right, you know? Right. So like. At my house, looking on Twitter or Facebook or something, and it was like, yeah. this is going down. I'm like, what? That's right down the street. So I grabbed my camera, went down there, and, like, saw the show. It was fucking awesome. And he played a cover of the Miser Lou, you know, just Lou, you know, and I, like, nice. recorded it with my camera. It's on YouTube <laughs> if you want to check it out. It's probably the, 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 the one video I have on YouTube that has, like, the a lot of views. hits. Yeah, a lot of views, you know. So, um, But, yeah, it was Jack such a cool thing, and I was just, like, I was there totally by myself. Like, I texted a bunch of people, like, but yeah, it was all work. too it was late. Like, it was during the day. Yeah, it was, like, during the work day. I, yeah. I wasn't working at that time or had the day off or something so I was just like chilling doing nothing and I'm like and I was just there by myself like this is fucking amazing I wish someone was here to experience this with me, yeah. with me. but um, yeah cool memory it's a cool track any honorable mentions from yeah I got, got, I got lots, a few you know? yeah I mean, but I think like my, my first my first honorable mention is I think on my list would be Girl You'll Be a Woman Soon yeah because it takes place in such a covered, such yeah. an important part in the movie if they if he'd used the original version um Instead of the Urge Overkill cover, I mean it's not a bad song. The cover isn't a bad song, I but like it. I, I like it too. But I just feel like it would have been more impactful if he had used the original. I, I don't know why what, he didn't. Wonder what that decision was. Yeah, like, why that, he decided not to use the original by um, uh, Neil Diamond. Yeah. So I don't know. Anyway, uh, my other honorable mentions are Across 110th Street yeah, by Bobby too. Womack me from uh, Jackie Brown. Jackie Brown. The very opening credits of that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Really great. Uh, Little Green Bag from Reservoir Dogs again, using the opening. Um, Cat People Putting Out Fire by David Bowie from from Inglorious Bastards, which comes out of nowhere. Because up yeah. until then, you know, it's in in, in, in Maricone. 
Yeah, Eno Maricone. Eno Maricone music yeah. up until then, and then all of a sudden here comes this David Bowie song yeah. when she's getting ready for the for the night of the of the of the movie premiere or whatever, and you're like, okay, that that's cool. Yeah, you know? and that's always that's one cool crazy it's thing surprising. that he does is like put. I mean, even though his 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 historical movies are historically inaccurate, right. he puts modern music in yeah. period pieces, yeah. which yeah, is like a ballsy thing to do. It totally but it, is. Yeah. It works. You yeah, know? it totally works. Like that, and that's another one of my uh, from Django and Chain. I have a couple. Um, Unchained by James Brown, and uh, it's the payback and Untouchable mixed together by uh, James Brown and Tupac. In yeah. Django and Chain, that's a great scene and great song. Um, I got a name by Jim Croce in Django Unchained. Uh, Jeepster by T-Rex that was in Death Proof. Yeah. And uh, Down in Mexico by the Coasters. Yeah. I always liked in Jackie Brown, the I liked the Across 110th Street was awesome in mm-hmm. the beginning. Because she's like singing it too. She's like mouthing the words she too. Is, you know, yeah, like coming. It's like it's almost like it's breaks playing the in her wall. head, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And um, which is so crazy though, because that movie takes place in California and like it's a song about Harlem, you know? <laughs> Harlem. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, about growing up hard in Harlem. But it's cool, you know? And it works though, but it works, oh, you know? totally. And, um, Gosh, what was the other one? Oh, like ten, I think that was the Johnny Cash too. song "Tennessee Stud" and Jackie Brown Jackie or whatever. Brown, yeah. It's just like kind of weird. It's kind of eerie. It's like playing in the background when he, when they, uh, they, uh, what's his name, Bo, Bo, Beaumont or whatever. When they, when they kill Beaumont or whatever. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah, that's right. You know, it's like this, this. Yeah, this Chris crazy. Tucker, the Chris yeah. Tucker character. Yep, yep. He's writing in the in it the put him in the trunk. The trunk. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and you can hear Samuel Jackson. Th- and he puts on yeah, he puts on Johnny Cash. Yeah, which is such a weird like yeah. it changes like the mood it's totally. A strange. Because up until it then, works. it's been like old soul music. Yeah, yeah. And then here comes this Johnny Cash song. Yeah, and it's, it's like, like one of the slower kind of just yeah. weird Johnny Cash songs. So that, that was kind of cool. Uh, Coasters down in Mexico as well, you know. Just Absolutely. Just uh, very memorable. And Absolutely. And it's a cool, cool song. And, uh, that one of the best scenes in the movie. Um, yeah. Jackie Brown's a great soundtrack, though. Shit. Yeah. Even though it's the Didn't lowest I blow on our mind list. Yeah, Didn't I Blow Your Mind this which time? Is, awesome. Which plays a big part yeah. in the movie. Yeah, um, with them like sharing music. Yeah, it's a great soundtrack. And man. he goes into like an old, um, God, what's the name of the music store that he goes into? It's like a, a music. What was the one that was at Lakeside? Oh, like Sam Goody or yeah, something. Yeah, it's like an old Sam. Man. He goes into yeah. an old Sam Goody and he takes a cassette. I love that he he buys a cassette from the from a Sam Goody. Yeah, like he like Quentin Tarantino like put that scene in a movie, and I think that's preserved for yeah. all time. Like that's how he used to buy music. Yeah, or. Well, you know, so now I'm talking like an old they, man. Like that there's a, it's so <laughs> odd that there's like a big part of Jackie Brown takes place in a mall. Yeah. <laughs> a shopping mall. It's yeah. Like, like a majority of it takes place in a, such in an a odd mall. <laughs> Quentin Tarantino choice, you know? Right. It's so, it's so different, you know? Um, California, well, man. Yeah. Well, so that has been our bonus episode here, ranking on Quentin Tarantino. You guys can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Please write us a review on iTunes. Rate us, review us. It only takes a minute, and it really helps us to get the word out on our show to get the show noticed. potential future listeners. Yep. Uh, feel free to send us an email, podcast at gmail.com. Uh, like us on Facebook. Wrong. Demi will give you the Twitter info right about now. At high number 5 dl so yeah at high five dl cool thanks for listening guys we'll talk to you soon see ya